Hi, this is Alana Terry, and you are listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. I'm really glad you joined us for Season 4. We are streaming daily chapters from full-length Christian fiction audiobooks just for you. And the sponsor for this season of the Unabridged Podcast is Blessing on the Run, which is also the audiobook you're going to listen to. So if you would like to listen to the entire audiobook at once, you can go to alanaterry.com slash blessing to get your free audiobook copy, or you can tune in right now for today's chapter of Blessing on the Run. Chapter 27 The sun's nearly set by the time the three of us arrive back at Mom and Dad's, and we're all exhausted from those hours answering questions at the police station. Tyson finally perked up when he heard we were going to Grandma and Grandpa's for a late Christmas dinner. I hope he doesn't stay scared for too long. Jared's good and dead. I guess Driscoll saw our little skirmish with the gun and shot him twice, once in the chest and once right in the skull. I tried not to let Tyson look, but he was curious. I think he might have seen the body. Just hope it doesn't give him too many nightmares. Mom hasn't stopped hugging the three of us since we set foot in her house. I swear she's alternating between me and Tyson and Damien like we'd float away if we went longer than ten seconds without some sort of physical contact. Dad's pretty overcome with emotion. He says a few harsh words about Jared and then apologizes right away. Tells my son that's no way to talk about anybody made in the image of God, no matter how evil their actions are. As for me, I'm still thinking about those old-fashioned psalms, the ones about praying for God to smite your enemies and punish your foes. What is it that God says? It is mine to avenge. I will repay. I don't know. I'm trying not to think about it too much right now. I'm so glad I have a son to focus all my energy and attention on. If it weren't for me knowing that Tyson's watching every move I make, I'd probably lose it. True story. As it is, I manage to hold myself together while Dad prays for our Christmas dinner. He thanks God for protecting me and Tyson, thanks him for Damien's quick thinking and Detective Driscoll's fast shot. He doesn't say anything about Jared, and I wonder if it does any good to pray for someone who's already dead. Not that I'd know how to pray for a monster like him. Damien squeezes my hand when we're done. He had a lot of questions in the car on the ride here, questions about Jesus and church and salvation. I told him to ask my dad, and then I forgot about it, but I guess he was serious. First thing he says once dinner's served is if he can talk with my dad about Jesus after the meal. Dad agrees, of course, and he tells me I can come too if I want. Who knows, maybe I will. Dinner's quiet, not like last night with Mom and Dad and their forty guests, What do you say when your son's just been saved from his kidnapper who was shot in front of him? Should I be glad Jared's dead? I don't know. I feel relief. Relief that my secret can remain my secret for however long I want it to. 
relief that I never have to worry about going weak and crawling back to Jared like the addict I am, or was. But am I glad he's dead? I'm not sure. I can still hear his voice in my head, telling me how much he loves me, how much he missed me when he was in prison. Then I look at Tyson, think about every horrible thing that could have happened to him. Maybe I'll be glad in the morning. Right now, I'm just tired. Tired and grateful to be alive. Chapter 28 Dad and Damien shut themselves in the den right after dinner. Tyson's on the iPad, trying to figure out what new game he's going to get with his gift certificate from his Christmas stocking. I'm helping Mom clean up, but she can tell something's wrong. I swear, one day I'll be 60 and she'll be 90 or something like that, and she'll still be able to tell when I'm keeping something from her. What is it, love? I shake my head. I don't want to talk about it, but I know I'm going to. That's just how Mom is. You can try to resist, but eventually she finds a way to draw all your woes and sorrows out. Sometimes it's healing and cathartic. Other times it's like trying to extract a tooth with nothing but a miniature ice pick. I'm just thinking. This is how I warm myself up. I still don't know what I'm going to tell her, so I say this to buy myself some time. She sits down at the table and motions for me to join her. Once seated, I pick up my dirty fork and scrape some leftover green beans around on my plate. What's on your heart, pumpkin? I sigh, trying to summon the courage this is going to take. Maybe if I weren't pregnant, I wouldn't bother telling her. I'd keep it a secret like I have for so long. But the sonogram said it was a girl, even though I've been convinced it's a boy. And part of me worries that until I get this off my chest, until I find forgiveness for this sin in my past, I'll somehow jinx my unborn child. You know you can tell me anything. Mom's holding my hand, even though I don't remember her reaching for it. I glance in the living room to make sure Tyson isn't here. He can never learn what I'm about to say. It's just that seeing Jared again made me think about something that happened a long time ago, I begin. Mom doesn't reply. I stare past her shoulder so I don't have to make awkward eye contact, and I continue. It started a few months before I moved in with you, back when I was in junior high. I steal a quick glance. Mom's face is serious. I can't watch, can't look at her expression when I confess what I did to that little baby girl so many years ago. My voice is flat and expressionless. I tell her everything, down to the most intricate detail. The little fuzz on the skin, the way my baby hardly cried at all. The only thing I don't mention is how she stared into my eyes. I can't stand to let Mom see me. I cover my face, but she leans in and lets me hide against her shoulder. Ten seconds later, her shirt sleeve is drenched with my tears. I killed her, I sob. 
I didn't know what to do, and I was all alone, and I left her there to die. Mom strokes my hair. It's almost painful. Her touch is so gentle and loving. I deserve a beating, another prison sentence, anything but this. I shake my head. I killed my little girl. I keep waiting for Mom to state the obvious, that there's no way to know for sure if she died, that she could have been rescued. Maybe someone found her that night. Maybe she was adopted into a loving home, far more stable than what I could ever have hoped to offer. But all she says is, How long ago was this exactly? I tell her. She's looking at some pictures on the fridge, gets up and goes over to pull down one of those fancy senior photos teens get before they graduate. She hands it to me. Who's this? I ask. Mom sits, rubs my back slowly and carefully, like she's afraid I might break if she goes too fast or presses too hard. That's one of the foster daughters who came to live with us. You remember Tiffany? Yeah, she graduated pretty recently, didn't she? I squint. I never took the time to get to know any of Mom and Dad's most recent foster kids, but I do remember seeing this one around, even though I didn't bother to keep track of her name. Mom sighs. A few years ago, we told the state we were interested in adopting her. Oh, I don't know what else to say. What in the world does this have to do with me? There was a problem with the paperwork, though, Mom continues. Couldn't figure out how to get in touch with her birth mother. Yeah? She nods. See, a while back, a baby was born and put into the foster system. By the time she came to live with us, there was some sort of mix-up with her file— when our caseworker approached the birth mom to talk about signing off parental rights, the woman was confused. Yes, she had a child in the system, but it wasn't Tiffany, this little girl who'd been born in a middle school bathroom. Mom pauses to let the words sink in, but I'm afraid my brain's shutting down. I can't think, can't process, can't feel. We told them we still wanted to adopt her, but they said they'd have to try to track down the real birth mom. Didn't apologize for their mistake, didn't tell us how long it would take. By the time Tiffany graduated and moved out west, it was too late. Far as I know, the state still can't figure out who delivered Tiffany Franklin. Her last name's Franklin? Mom shrugs. Don't ask me where it came from. We may never know what happened between the time someone found her and the state made such a mess out of her file. But I do know one thing. That daughter you've been mourning over, the one you've felt so guilty over for so long, is a high school graduate, a beautiful young woman, and she's living out on her own in Washington and doing just fine. Chapter 29 I've been sitting in the guest room for an hour or more, sitting here and staring at this picture. 
My mind refuses to accept that this young woman could be the same little baby who'd held my gaze two decades ago. She's all grown up now. How could that have happened? I'm sorry, I whispered to the girl in the photo. Tiffany, Tiffany Franklin. I'm sorry, I repeat. Mom tells me I shouldn't feel guilty. After all, Jared had wanted me to get rid of her. If he had been with me the day she was delivered, she would have never survived. Mom says I should feel proud that I gave my child life. I suppose that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it was that I was so afraid of losing Jared, so dependent on him, so in love, that it was easier for me to abandon a perfect little baby in a filthy trash can than to find someone to ask for help. Forgiveness comes so easily to Mom. It's harder for me. She told me a little bit about Tiffany, about how she gave her life to Jesus at a church youth group event, about how well she did in high school, about how bright she is. I realized that those afternoons when Mom would babysit my son— Tyson was in the same house as his biological sister. I can't even. Mom told me that if I wanted her to, she could introduce me to this woman who through some twisted work of fate or divine intervention is both my daughter and my foster sibling. I don't know if I'm ready for that yet, I told her. Thankfully, Mom seemed to understand. She didn't get all pushy. Should I take Mom upon her offer? Should I let this young woman know who I am? I still can't believe I was coming over to this house two or three times a week to drop my son off or pick him up, and my daughter was here. That whole time, and none of us suspected a thing? I'm startled by the sound of the door. Damien clears his throat and comes in. Am I interrupting anything? I slipped the photo between the pages of the Bible on the nightstand. No, I'm just resting. He sits down on the bed beside me. Did you have a good talk with my dad? I ask before he can question me about the photo I've hidden. He nods. There's something in his eyes, an almost radiance. It was really neat. I wish you would have been there. I shrugged. Yeah, well... I've heard it all by now, I'm sure. But that's the thing. Damien's speaking twice as fast as normal. Does he have any idea how tired I am? Any idea what sort of heaviness is hanging over my spirit after all that's happened today? I thought I'd heard it all too, but your dad has this way of helping things make so much more sense. I glance over just to make sure that this really is my boyfriend and not some stranger. What kinds of things did you talk about? How to know if God's really forgiven you. How to know for sure if you'll go to heaven. How it's not about how good we are, but if we've trusted Jesus to forgive us. And a whole bunch of other things. We were in there for a really long time. I glance at the clock. Were you? He scoots closer to me and takes my hand in his. One of the other things we talked about is how big a step marriage really is. Now I'm giving him my attention. 
Is he changing his mind about the engagement? Did my dad convince him to break up with me? I know we haven't done things perfect, but I want that to change, he explains. Yep, he's breaking up with me. I can't even. Thanks, Dad. Perfect timing, and Merry Christmas to you, too. What kind of changes? I ask cautiously. We can talk about all that after. After what? That's when he slides off the bed and gets down on his knee, still holding my hand. After I give you this ring back. That is, if you'll take it. In spite of everything, today's trauma, my exhaustion, the fact that I have an adult daughter Damien doesn't even know about, I smile. Are you asking me to? He's grinning, too. Better believe it. Can I put it on? Yes. Yes, he repeats. You really mean it? Your answer's yes? Yes. I chuckle. How many times do I have to say it? He slips the ring on my finger and beams. Perfect fit. I don't tell him the truth, that until I get over the rest of this pregnancy and stop being so bloated, the ring is way too tight. But after this daughter, or son, of ours is born, it will work just fine. Perfect fit, I agree, and he hugs me. Merry Christmas, he says and kisses the top of my head. I pull him to his feet and kiss him lightly on the lips, Tipping my chin back, I gaze up into his face and smile. Merry Christmas. We hope you've enjoyed our production of Blessing on the Run, written by Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy. Copyright 2019 by Alana Terry. Production copyright 2019 by Alana Terry. Hi guys, thanks for listening to season four of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. I'm Alana Terry. That was the last chapter of Blessing on the Run. I hope that you enjoyed this audiobook and stay tuned for our Blessing on the Run after show where we can go a little bit deeper into some of the story and some of the characters. And don't forget you can get free audiobooks and free ebooks when you support Liberty in North Korea's Underground Railroad at patreon.com slash Alana Terry. All the money we raise goes directly to Liberty in North Korea and what they do is help refugees who are escaping out of North Korea. It's an amazing organization. I'm so thankful for the generosity of our readers and that over the years we have been able to raise enough money to fund many rescue missions and Lord willing will continue to fund many more to come. So if you want regular free ebooks from me and free audiobooks, you can sign up to support Liberty in North Korea's Underground Railroad at patreon.com slash Alana Terry. Thanks again for listening. Please leave a review and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And remember to stay tuned for the Blessing on the Run after show, and we will talk to you soon.